Hi, friends. You're listening to Equipped to Be. I am your host, Connie Albers. Glad you're here. Glad you tuned in to this episode of Equipped to Be. I've got a guest on the program. We're going to talk about embracing storms. Who hasn't faced a storm? I mean, even toddlers have to face storms because they have to give up their toys. Embracing storms, not chasing them. So I have a sweet guest on the program today, Tracy Smoke. You're really going to enjoy her. I'm going to let her share a little bit about who she is. And before we get into embracing the storm, it's kind of crazy because I live in Florida and we face storms, literal storms all the time in the form of hurricanes. And people don't often say embrace them. They basically say run from them. But we're going to talk about embracing storms and really understanding what that means and how it's going to work for your life. So Tracy, thanks for coming on Equipped to Be. I'm so glad you're on the program. Connie, thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed your other shows and I welcome the wisdom that you bring and just the comfort. It's so easy to get isolated and get wrapped up in our own struggles. And when we're able to just listen to other people share, hey, here's how I work through it, or here's something, or just sharing a giggle is a wonderful thing. So today, um, one of the storms I'm looking at right now, and I mentioned it to you just a minute before we started recording, is in September, I had my lower back hyperextend, and I was bedridden for almost five weeks. Oh, and um, ouch. I've been in physical therapy. I just got to where I can start driving again. I had to order in groceries. I had to have ladies come and help walk and exercise my dog. And there was just so much pain. Even getting out of bed required courage. And I know there are a lot of ladies and guests listening today. It's easy to be brave when everything's easy, right? (laughs) But when you lose your job or a loved one passes or your your toddler pitches a fit in the middle of the grocery store and people are staring at you like you're a horrible parent, you know, how do we weather the storms with grace and in such a way that we're stronger, better people? Well, It's funny because we talked about storms, and as I was learning more about you and doing some research, you know, you're a fellow Floridian. So when I said, yeah, we're we're taught to run from them and hide, that probably resonated with you rather easily. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't live far from each other either. That's what I, small world. (laughs) I just had the roof replaced from last February's hail damage. In Florida, when do you ever get quarter-inch hail that destroys your roof? (laughs) But, you know, one of the things I've learned is when we're in the middle of a storm or a tragedy, hanging on to our faith and surrounding ourselves with others who believe that there is a good and loving God that we can find shelter there. The storm may still rage, you know, the hail damage still tore up the roof, but my insurance policy was that I had something to fall back on. I had something to go to. And the last the last few years of my life, I've been doing a, a lot of writing. And the funny thing is, 
we think that our calling or our purpose or, or, or finding where we fit in life, that is going to be a big, glorious thing. And sometimes it's in the mud. It's in the messy. You know, when you're in the kitchen and you're trying to cook dinner and the children are hungry and cranky and one little one just toddles over to you and hugs your leg. That is a moment so precious in the middle of the messy. You know, we we might want the family portraits where everyone's dressed in matching shirts and the hair's done perfectly and everyone's smiling. But in the storm, sometimes the smile is chaos can swirl around us, but we've got this and we've got each other. So you have, tell me a little bit about your family, like how many, how many children do you have? Tell me a little bit about your story. I know uh, you started a little bit with it, but what is your story so that my listeners get to know a little bit more about Tracy? All right. Well, I got married when I was 20 and my husband and I were married for 20 years. We had two wonderful sons that are now full grown men. I have the one grandchild and then the the younger son is real sweet on a girl right now. So we're expecting that there might be some announcements soon. Unfortunately, that marriage was not successful. So that's something very different in the life story as far as you and I and the longevity you've been able to sustain with your with your husband. And that's also one of the huge storms in my life that I've had to embrace that I did everything I could to make the marriage work and it didn't. And there's still grace. There's still forgiveness. There's a way to move forward and accepting that and sort of discovering where I fit now, even though I'm, I'm not a wife and I'm not a full-time mother because my kids are grown. Yeah, and they're off the payroll. That's that's like a big accomplishment. <laughs> I and and you wanted to be in in all of this because we're going to talk more about embracing the storm. You wanted to be a writer. I mean, I love it how at twenty, I'm sure you had a, a vision and a, a picture in your mind. Like you said, the beautiful picture of the family all dressed in their matching Christmas pajamas or their matching outfits. And life doesn't always, it gets blurry. I wrote a a little chapter in my book about when life gets blurry. Life does get blurry. And you had always wanted to write. You had dreams and visions that were either derailed or sidelined, or God just said, not now, maybe later. And they have become a later, which has led to your amazing story. You've written a novel called Who Brought the Dog to Church? Now, okay, that's an interesting title. I need you to unpack that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you're right. I did have the dream of writing. I wasn't able to pursue that until I think I was 38 years old. I had gone back to school to get my teaching license to be an English teacher My kids would come home and do homework on the kitchen table, and I would come home and do homework. And the the county that hired me to teach gave me a scholarship to attend the Northern Virginia Writing Project, and that was all about interdisciplinary units to create curriculum to teach writing. 
and they really encouraged publication. And I was like, oh, well, I, I never really thought about that. But I, I got an article published in the English Journal. And then I thought, well, if I can do that, I can do, you know, dot, dot, dot. So actually the novel, Who Brought the Dog to Church, I finished writing in 2011. Guess when I got the contract to actually get it published? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm guessing it wasn't 2011. No, add 11 years. <laughs> oh, I love then, it. Then you will have part of the story about embracing the storm. Mm. Because I felt so sure God had called me to write. At the time, I was volunteering as an advocate for survivors of domestic violence. And I saw so many stories of people suffering in silence. They were embarrassed. They, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go. The church really didn't have guidance. And as I learned these women's stories, and I started seeing the power of a community rallying behind them to secure with confidence, and it, it, the story started in an all-night prayer vigil in a little country church in Virginia on Good Friday. And while I was seated there going through prayer cards, I heard like a little scratching noise and I looked to my left and a lady had brought her Yorkie to church. <laughs> it was a silent vigil, so I couldn't ask her, hey, what's your dog's <laughs> name? But at the time, um, my father had also had a massive heart attack and we were dealing with, is he going to make it? So there were layers of grief. So in the middle of all these storms, God gave me rich material to try and share. How do you comfort someone? How do you have a candid conversation about what faith is or what someone really needs and they feel safe enough being vulnerable and they don't just say, you know, I'm fine. So I, I know the folks listening with us today, there are a lot of people hurting and for someone who takes the time to ask a real question and then actually sit in quiet to give the gift of listening, there are some amazing impacts that can occur. Okay, that is quite interesting because the number, when I was researching for my book, and as I speak with women across the country, the number one issue is that people don't listen. People don't listen. My parents don't listen. My husband doesn't listen. My kids don't listen to me. My friends don't listen. It's like we're, we're a world of talking heads. And it usually takes what? It takes me like two to three questions and of talking with, with someone and they'll either be in tears or they'll get very emotional or we'll go from a level two to a level four, maybe five. With just a matter of seconds, because they know I'm genuinely asking you. I I don't want the, oh, I'm doing fine, thanks. I'm doing great. No, I, I genuinely want to know, but I find listeners are far and few between. Have you seen that too? I think all of us long to be heard. I would suspect with you that one of the things that contributes toward genuine conversations is that you ask perceptive questions. I think that you have probably taken some time and observed what a person might be feeling or thinking or experiencing. 
and you ask a question that's an invitation that recognizes where that person is and invites them to share that space with you. For example, my my granddaughter is two and a half almost, and she is a thing. And when they were here <laughs> visiting, she's got like strawberry blonde hair. Mm-hmm. When they were visiting last weekend, I have a little tea set and she can take it out and play. And the last time we put water in the teapot and the water ended up everywhere, everywhere. So I decided this time I didn't want to do the water drill. So anyhow, she came and brought the little teapot and she said, "Um, could I please have water? And I said, you know what, if it's okay, sweetie, let's just play pretend. Just pretend like you have water in your teapot. And that little two-year-old cocked out her hip, put her hand on her hip, and she looked at me and she goes, I know like 10. I laughed so hard that a two-year-old has the concept, A, she doesn't want to play pretend and really, you need to get me the water. And she wasn't demanding, but I think sometimes we do that even as adults. We play pretend to be polite when really our heart's crying out saying, do you care about me? Do you want to be with me more than just a task-oriented goal? Would you choose me if you have everything else out there? Am I the priority? I love that. I just am sitting here thinking about what you just said. If there's so many things calling for your attention, a device, a conversation, or work project, whatever it is, do you choose to be and listen and engage with that person. It's funny, Tracy, when I, early on, I mean, literally early on, uh, one of the things that I always used to say is in whatever size my ministry is, uh, whatever impact that God brings my way, that I'm only speaking to, it's it's an audience of one. So size never mattered. It was uh, about the impact and about letting the person know that's in front of me. I care, like you just said, And I want to hear, I want to enter in as much as you will allow. I know people get burned. Trust is huge. You have to be trusted for people to go beyond. I'm doing fine. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, it's been busy. It's been crazy. It's been hectic. Or the kids are giving me a fit. There's an element of trust in being willing to be vulnerable. And I know that's part of your heart's desire to take the struggles, the sorrows that have come Uh, You have written some devotionals, you lead Bible studies, you enter in uh, with others. That's just like one of your motivations, which is why I wanted you to be on Equipped to Be because of your heart and your desire to impact and to be there. Uh, Maybe impact isn't even the right word, but let's move into, you know, embracing the storms, not chasing them. What do you mean by not chasing them? For me, I, I don't have to chase them. They just follow me. They're just like one <laughs> right after the other. <laughs> I'm not sure what I meant with that, Connie. You know, I, I think part of building trust is being the first one to be vulnerable. And, uh, you know, sometimes chasing a storm for me would have been well, I need to write this book. It's going to be successful, blah, 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 blah. Well, it took God 11 years to coach me that whatever I write, I'm more like a stenographer trying to record 
his thoughts, his hopes, his observations, and it has nothing to do with me. But for the longest time, I chased the idea that I was going to be this phenomenal writer. You know, the I, the pronoun I, really gets in the way. And I think the I, as in in our face, E-Y-E, we have to remember where we focus, where we look. And I, I told you with the novel, it took 11 years to get a contract for that. And the only reason I didn't give up was because I felt like the story of domestic violence and people suffering, not in a graphic way, it's more like What are the complexities that hold people hostage and how can a community that's supportive free them? But after that novel came to be, I've had four other book contracts. I just had another release in October. It's um, it's called Refuge of Grace, Finding Your Safe Place. And it's a Bible study of 22 little story, little told stories out of the Bible and how we apply them to today. And while I was waiting for the production of the novel and the Bible study, I started taking photographs. I just have my little like Samsung Ultra 21, and I was able to tootle around Florida, and we have so many beautiful natural sites. But I started playing around with photography, and I'm not trained as a photographer. I I did it in high school, but then, you know, I got married and I had kids and I worked. So rediscovering that hobby actually led into two devotionals, 30-day devotionals of all photography art with Bible passages. One is on floral landscapes and it's called Arranged with Love. It's on attributes of God And then the other one is Living Water to Refresh Your Soul, which in Lake County, Florida, we have um, this 23-mile long Palatlacaha River with like eight different lakes all interconnected. So I traveled from the southern tip to the northern tip. And at each scene, I recorded a, a passage for how God renews and refreshes us. So... I waited a long time to discover, I don't want to say discover me, that sounds kind of trite, but all my other life experiences blended in to the freedom that I find now to create. So there's something important that you just said. And, you know, the Bible talks about, it talks about our seasons, you know, that we live life in seasons and there's books written about it. There's lots of teaching about it, but obviously when your age can determine a season. Your family can determine a season. Your breakups, like divorces or or teens, prodigal children, kids that walk away from the family relationship. There, there are many different things that come our way when we're first starting off. We're bright-eyed, we're eager, we're full of hope and optimism in our 20s. And then things start to get a little shaky and you know, most people can identify with the song, the wheels on the bus go round and round. Well, that's until there's not a blowout. And then all of a sudden those wheels aren't going round and round. You're stopped. You're stopped wherever that event happened. And then it takes time. And so what what you're basically saying is it took time for God to write the story that he wanted you to share 
And the only way that would have happened is if you would have embraced the storm, if you would have walked through it faithfully and not fun. Um, storms are not fun. They are not easy. Uh, we're not making light. Uh, like you said, divorce is not easy. Uh, the ramifications of our family, our kids, the death of dreams, all of that impacts us. So when you mention seasons, in my mind, <laughs> Tracy, I have these like red flags going, bing, 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 bing. Yes, 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 yes. You're in a season where you're able to look back and see, wow, I didn't want this to happen in my life. I asked God, I asked God to let me write. I I wanted to be these things. I wanted to do these things. And, and there was a delay or a denial, but yet you kept the faith, which makes me want to ask, because we're coming in on our time here. I want to be careful with our time and respectful of all you listeners. But, you know, speaking of listeners, I know that many of you are sitting there going, yeah, I have all these hopes and dreams and desires, and it's a new year, it's the beginning of a new year, or it's the end of a school year, it's the beginning of a school year, or whatever it is, it's always, there's always changing season. And you're sitting, you're thinking, some of you, yeah, it's not a beautiful, bright, shiny picture right now. It's a very bleak, dark season, um, much like winter, but you know, you never fully embrace spring without a harsh winter. And mm. you never fully appreciate the fall leaves until you've gone through a sweltering hot summer. Those seasons refine us. And so I know I'm going on and on, but boy, that just kind of struck a, a nerve with me in Ecclesiastic, where there is a time for all things. And you've just beautifully articulated that time. But as you're going through them, I want to know, like, how do you distinguish between, you know, like just your desire, you wanted to write a book, you wanted to do these things, and God calling you to do it? Wow, that's going to take us more than a couple minutes, Connie. To- okay, you have to give the clip <laughs> but- nose version. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think maybe this story from an earlier time in my life may address that. I had just um, pulled my children out of public school. There, you know, there was a, a variety of reasons. I was scared. You know, we went to the public library and got used books. We couldn't afford curriculum. We didn't know of, of any homeschool groups. And I, here I am trying to map out the skills that both of them need. At the time, my one son was starting second grade and my other son was starting fourth grade. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table with both of them and I was trying to help the younger son and the other son was just sitting there and I was aggravated because I couldn't do more and it wasn't happening and I I was trying so hard. And I looked at my older son and I was kind of snappy with him and I said, well, why aren't you working? Why aren't you doing this? I can't do everything. And he got teary eyed and he goes, mama, he goes, I don't know what it is you want me to do. In my old school, we couldn't go ahead. We had to sit and wait for the teacher. So that opened an amazing conversation where I just said, I'm sorry. I don't know exactly what I'm doing either. But the reason we're doing this is I want you to feel free to create. I don't want you to be held back. I want you to try and experiment. And even if we make mistakes like I just did, It's okay because we're learning. And I think for my faith, it's believing in a loving God who says, Tracy, Connie, all of you wonderful people listening, 
I am going to bestow so many blessings on you. Don't be afraid to try. Don't be afraid to step out. And as you move forward in faith, little toehold by toehold, I will continue to open doors and confirm. I will guide you. And even if we bump up against something that won't work, there's information and power and education and accepting that, realizing we need a new skill set and continuing to move forward. Tracy, that is absolutely profound. I mean, it is profound in that it's simple. It's simple, but yet so very difficult. I know we talked prior in our pre-show conversation, uh, we were talking, and you said something that I wrote down, and I think it's a, an absolute wonderful way to sum up our conversation and uh, your heart in the way that God has given you opportunities to pour in and pour out and, and to, to explore other things. Again, seasons. There's the seasons where we keep, it's like a toolbox. We have a toolbox and it has different drawers and different tools and different drawers. Well, when you get the toolbox, it's not fully equipped. It's some drawers are kind of empty. And then, you know, mm-hmm. at Christmas or your birthday, somebody gives you a tool or a hammer or you go buy some wrenches and sockets or whatever. Eventually, you end up with drills and hammers and uh, saws and all the things to help you do the projects that you need. You have the tools on hand. And I sort of see that as our life and our season. We have accumulated, because of life circumstance, unexpected twists and turns, we've accumulated tools, and those tools come in useful because you may not need them every day, but you do need them in certain projects. And so you said something, you said you had a time where you had, uh, and you're doing a Bible study, you have to use what's on hand. As we close up our, our conversation, unpack that just like a short What does use what's on hand mean to the moms and dads that are listening right now? That idea came a couple weeks ago. I got up. It was cold. I wanted breakfast. I came in the kitchen. I had no eggs. I had no milk. I had no sausage. I had no bacon. I looked in the pantry and literally I had one can of chili and I had one can of green collards. And I was just like, oh, I'm so hungry. I want a good breakfast. And I almost like shut down and pouted. And then I I looked in the pantry again with the idea to possibilities. And I had a canister of oatmeal. And then I thought, well, I've got butter in the refrigerator. And then I realized I had raisins and I had honey and I had cinnamon and I ended up making gourmet oatmeal (laughs) out of what was at hand, but it was a mental process of choosing to see possibilities and not pouting about what I thought should be there that wasn't. I like that. Not pouting. I don't know about you, but there's many times I will pout um, and then I have to like (laughs) go back and, you know, correct my attitude, get my thoughts right. But I like that, the idea of possibilities. I think that's a beautiful way of saying it. And where can our listeners go to find you? You've got projects in the works and you've got a a ministry that you are building and God is blessing. Where can people find you? Thank you for that, Connie. My website is Finding Hope 
and it's my first and last name, T-R-A-C-Y, S is in Sam, M is in Mary, OAK.com. That's got links to YouTube devotionals with the nature of art photography. It's got blogs about hope. It's got the different books. Um, it's got free study guides to go with the, the Bible study. Um, it's just, it's a potpourri of a whole bunch of things, but it's the name Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y-S-M-O-A-K.com. Thank Trace. you so much for sharing time with me today. Oh, well, no, I'm the one honored, and we are so grateful at Equipped to Be and all of the listeners. I know that they their heart has to be warmed just because of the simplicity and the authenticity of what you shared. So thank you for taking time to come out on the Equipped to Be podcast. Friends, if you've enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend. And also, all the information and links to Tracy will be over at ConnieAlbers.com, as well as on my social media and you can find her there. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. And we will see you next time. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.